Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Michael Marchuk, and today on the Transform Now podcast, we have a very special guest, Maureen Burns. Maureen is a partner with Bain in their Boston office, where she is a leader with their customer practice, working extensively with clients on topics related to marketing excellence, the net promoter system, customer security design, and digital transformation. Welcome, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Can you introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us more about what's going on? And I know you've got something special happening in the fall here that I'd like you to go into about a book that's coming out. Sure. So I spend most of my time at Bain on customer experience and customer experience transformations. I've been very lucky to grow up under Fred Reichelt as a mentor who developed and invented it and really pioneered the net promoter system. And so I'm thrilled that I am partnering as a co-author with Fred on his fifth book on customer loyalty, Winning on Purpose, which is going to be released on November 30th. That's excellent. That's excellent. You recently authored something else, an article called, Will the Bots Love Your Customers? And I thought you made some really interesting points there about managing the customer experience and specifically that as companies digitize this experience, they risk a crisis of disconnection with their customers. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about what that means. Absolutely. So one of the most powerful forces that many traditional customer-facing companies have had for many years is a front line that's made up of living and breathing human beings. And so these individuals were day-to-day with customers, serving them. And the good ones, and there were lots, there are lots and lots of good members of the human front line, drove engagement with customers and in a very powerful way were sources of feedback. So they saw what was working with customers, what wasn't. They could read customers' emotions and react in real time. And what has struck me as I'm working with my clients, some in, some of my banking clients now have 70% of their transactions fully digitized. And if you include what I like to think of as the first customer service bot, the ATM, that's actually 80%. How do you think about a world where customers could go for many months without ever encountering a human being with your company? And how do you think about creating some connection in that kind of experience? Uh, I think it's going to be a critical challenge that many companies face over the coming years. So. When we look at this transition, and you mentioned the ATM was a precursor of this, but we've certainly got a lot more sophisticated over time now, bringing in automation and AI and whatnot. How can business businesses really engage with automation and AI and this advanced machine learning concepts, but still deliver on the personalized experiences that customers are really expecting? Sure. Let's be clear. The, the last thing I'm saying is that I don't believe that AI and digital migration have a ton of uh, benefits for customers and employees and companies. I think it is absolutely what companies should be focused on, and it is certainly going to add a lot of benefits to customers. What I do think, though, is companies need to be incredibly thoughtful about how and where they do this. So, for example, what I've seen is many companies will try to migrate some of these transactions or interactions to channels and experiences that just aren't ready. So when you put a customer through a complex emotional, let's call it fraud, something like that, trying to do it fully digitally with bots that aren't prepared to handle the complexity of that kind of interaction, it can have a really detrimental impact on the customer and the overarching relationship with the company. 
Now, compare that to an experience like that's done well, and it can have a tremendously positive impact on overall customer experience and their relationship. So the key is understanding where to do it, when you've done it and built the experience that's actually robust enough that customers are going to find it to be as good as it needs to be. And then once you've got that, how do you actually transition customers to that experience in a way that's simple and easy and makes it easy for them to adopt the new experience? That makes sense. When you're looking at these personalized experiences, and do you see a difference between folks who are more readily able to adopt that than others? I keep thinking of, think of my grandmother who would go to generally a a teller at a bank and the ATMs came out and she wouldn't use an ATM, but she's very comfortable using a person. Do you see any issues with this adoption as you go forward, given the fact that some people are more or less inclined to use technology? Absolutely. The, The one thing is that COVID actually was a huge driver of a lot of this migration and got some of those older um, customers using technologies that they may never have. If you go around and ask your father, your mother, if they've done remote deposit capture, something we probably thought many in the older generation would never adopt, a lot of folks got comfortable with it through COVID. So I think creating, there are probably ways outside of a crisis to create the incentive for customers to use some of these channels. Now, where I think there's a real nuance that people have to understand is some people are going to the branch because they want to talk to someone. And they want to have an activity and the branches. So the banks that really focus on branch experience drove that. They had coffee, they had the coin machines, they gave out lollipops. And there are customers that are looking for that kind of connection. So I think there will be some companies that decide that's a differentiator for them. And that's okay. And that has to just be built into their business model. And for the companies that don't, they need to understand customers they're serving, find ways to connect with them in interesting and exciting ways and realize there may be a segment of customers that it just doesn't make sense for them to serve because that's not what they're looking for. We always talk about segmentation and people talk about a segmentation going away with the power of one, et cetera. I actually think segmentation is more important than ever as you think about how and where to serve different customers and who suits who suits your own model and where you can actually serve them with, with excellence. It's interesting that you bring up the branch model because I know several banks, I know uh, Capital One is one that comes to mind at the moment. They've reimagined what a branch might even look like, making it basically a coffee bar versus a traditional, what we would consider a traditional branch thing. When you look at that kind of experience piece, given the fact that it's much more cost effective to service a customer through a digital mechanism in, in one way or another, what role does this new transition have where you have um, a human element that is a differentiator? It's a great question. And I love what Capital One has done with the cafes. I'm still not sure the economics are really there for them. I think that will be a challenge that companies need to face is you've got to test these new and different and unique models. And there's going to be some winners and some losers, but finding new and creative ways to to help customers discover and explore your brand is really key to succeed in a digital era where there's going to be fewer, fewer opportunities to do that on the day-to-day basis. I do know Capital One, I was lucky to have a Capital One campaign right by my daughter's school, went off and go there after drop-off. And it was funny to watch. It started out as you just went and hung out and they didn't bother you. But over time, you could see the aggressiveness in terms of selling became higher and higher. And so my, I don't have the data, but my observation would suggest that perhaps the ROI wasn't being borne out as quickly as they wanted and decided to pivot to a more active selling model which I do think becomes challenging as you're trying to create a positive experience for customers that's not meant to be about selling. And then you find that the economics of the model demand that you infuse some of that into it. It's a, it's a tricky balance. And I think companies, the ones that get it right, are going are gonna to really be far ahead. 
I can imagine that would make some folks a little uncomfortable thinking they were getting at one type of experience, then getting it different, which I guess it kind of leads back to some of the digital experiences that people are either expecting or not expecting to be able to get a good experience that they weren't expecting or to get a less than good experience when they were expecting something different from a digital kind of engagement. Do you see how, is there some data behind that or some kind of, of way of looking at that digital interaction in, in a different way that could be a positive or negative that could drive companies to either adopt or not adopt that? Yeah, so we actually have a tool at being called NPS Prism, which looks at customer experience as measured by NPS across key journeys. And we look at it across channels. What we find is that when you can migrate the bulk of customers to routine transactions that work, so customers can start digital and digital, they are able to solve whatever issue they had, and they're able to make the transaction that they needed to make. And this, is, this holds true across many industries. The NPS is actually higher. So they're happier to be able to do simple and easy things in digital than they are having to go through a human channel. When they break, though, we find that so someone that starts digital has to end human that has a massive impact on NPS and can really be a detriment. So I think the key is, especially for routine transactions, what needs to, it needs to work. And when it works, you can get great customer experience. It's a bit of a different story for more complex transactions. So there are examples where people have created really great digital experiences. Intuit is the master of this. So did anyone ever think you could almost fully digitize the experience of going to a tax advisor and doing your taxes? Intuit's essentially done that, and they've done it through deep customer ethnography to really understand how customers interact with the tax advisor and recreating that in a digital way. There's also lots of examples of people that have tried to digitize complex fraud transactions, claims, things like that, and have largely failed because customers just didn't get the reassurance through the transaction that they need to feel like what they're needing to get done is happening. Is there some sort of, I'm going to call it training, but adoption training where people get more comfortable using simp activities? Hey, I'm going to, I'll take a picture of my check and deposit it, but then introduce them to more complex transactions through that same mechanism? Absolutely. So the first things that get digitized are the simplest and it's routine check, check balances, pay bills, buy something simple, that those kinds of things. If you create a good, simple experience, customers can get used to using it and they, they start to earn, you start to earn their trust. And then over time, you could start to communicate that you have other ways to interact that are more complex transactions or interactions and they're digitized and customers are more likely to use them. So I absolutely think that there is a uh, progression that companies have to go through thinking through digitizing the most simple routine transactions first, getting customers to use them and then migrating them to more complex. And there were well, some- Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was saying, I suspect this probably, that's probably true for companies too, as they're developing these things that they may not want to take on the whole enchilada to start with by doing some very complex transaction, but the simple ones are the low hanging fruit, right? Absolutely. And when you look at what it takes to digitize some of these transactions, there's a bunch of policy process training people things that companies have to get. And so starting, as you say, with the simpler ones, and getting the muscle builds up in the organization to do that really helps as you start to take on some of the more complex transactions, use cases. So a lot of this ends up being about data and analytics and the migration of that as well. And so if you could start with simple use cases to break down some of the barriers that traditionally exist in these organizations that, that you need to break down to deliver, that is great training ground to then start to tackle some of the more complex. So we see this in insurance transactions around paying bills, around checking balance, changing an address. Those are largely digitized. The insurers are now just starting to tackle claims and they're finding that's a lot harder and it's a lot harder organizationally and it's a lot harder for customers. 
but I'm confident that they'll, they'll figure it out over time and they'll create some really great and fully digital and fully engaging and fully reassuring and empathetic claims experiences. So you mentioned, you guys think about data and, and I can only imagine how much data is captured during all of these simple transactions and the where and the how, et cetera. So all these digital interactions between a business and their customer, they, they generate a lot of data. So how are the most innovative businesses taking advantage of all this virtual gold mine of information that they have? I'll start by saying, I think we'd have a huge opportunity and a huge risk with all of this data. And so there's been a ton of talk about ethical AI and the book Waiting on Purpose is all about the purpose of a company is to enrich customers' lives. So I actually like to talk about enriching or empathetic AI, which is the core of how to use this data is in a way that enriches the customer's life first and the company second. When you take a fully almost algorithmic-based, company value-based, no thought for the customer approach to customer data, you end up in a pretty terrible place, both from a customer experience perspective, a risk and liability perspective, and over time, frankly, a financial perspective. So I think there is a treasure trove of data that companies can use and can use it in a way that enriches both the customer's lives and the company. But there must be a lot of thought behind that. And you can see examples of that. So in the article I referenced, Stitch Fix has clearly figured out that my 10-year-old daughter only likes jeans that are soft. I don't know how they figured that out. I'm sure it's because that's the only ones we didn't send back. But now every single pair of pants that my daughter gets is incredibly soft. Talk about enriching my life. I don't have to run out to the store. I don't have to do all these returns. And I have a happy 10-year-old. And there are just so many examples of ways that companies can do that. But as I said, it has to start with the customer first and not the company's objectives. Because when you start with custom company algorithms and models and financial returns first, you end up using data in ways that end up not in frankly, running the company. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I like the example you give because that is somebody, that is a company who's taking all this data to learn about their customers, to understand how they interact. And in this case, their preferences, it comes back to the same thing with the Amazon and whatnot, who, who provides opportunities for preference understanding and offers you similar choices as you go forward. So business can certainly learn from this, which is obviously very successful because people wouldn't be, these companies wouldn't be adopting these type of things that they weren't. And I'm sure based on financials, they're probably seeing an uptick based on the fact that they are offering things that their customers are going to like. Absolutely. When you get that, when you get your customer to buy more from you, tell their friends, take it longer. And these are all the things that drive superior financial returns for customer loyalty leaders. And so using data in the right way drives that over time and it's, it's incredibly creative. So we, we talk a lot about the digital side of things. Where do people fit into the role of moving forward with these digital transactions now? Is it more of a, an analysis type of thing? Or what kind of business roles would they be taking on if they're not going to be doing the same kind of transactional activities that they had done, say, in the past? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I would say is, at least in this interim phase, what I, I see happening is a lot of the routine transactions are going to be digitized. They've already been digitized. For many companies, the most complex transactions and the most hard transactions will remain with some human inter intervention for at least a little while. And Discover is actually a great example of this. Discover is digitized so much that the only stuff that's left is actually very complex and requires really highly skilled individuals to resolve those issues. And so what I do see is that most companies will in end up in a place where they have mostly digital interactions, but then the, the few human interactions that are left are highly complex and require highly skilled employees that are very well-trained that know really 
the nuances of dealing with customers in those tough emotional situations. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is I, I like to call it the digital front line. So we're, we're in some ways we are transforming from a largely human front line into a digital front line. And if you think about it, somebody has to make the bots love customers. Somebody has to create the brains that go behind the digital front line. And that's a bunch of data scientists, software engineers, UX, UI designers who are going to become increasingly important to customer experience. And I would think of as now they are the new front line of customer experience. And so those individuals need to be incredibly close to the customer. I referenced into it earlier. They do a fantastic job of this in, in terms of really making sure that they're doing lots of customer research, ethnography, looking at customers using their tools. It's going to be really important for companies to do that and also to ask customers what they're doing. Some people talk about NPS, which is a little based on asking customers how they're feeling. They say, is it relevant in digital world? I'm saying well, now more than ever, because all of these algorithms and, and look, I know sentiment analysis is, is wonderful, but at the end of the day, you are sometimes going to want to hear from customers in their own words. And I'm not suggesting that things like predictive NPS and using tools to predict customer sentiment shouldn't be a huge part of how companies do this. I think it's absolutely essential. I do think though, we're going to want the people that power the digital front line to be talking to customers sometimes about those experiences and to be reading verbatims from customers in their own words, in addition to all of the great signal data that they're going to be able to get about those experiences. Yeah, that makes total sense. So as you look at the, the organization as a whole, how can executives maintain and, and embed the human touch in their interactions with customers? And what do role do employees play as part of that? It's critical that it starts at the top. So there's the very, there's two elements of this. There's, I think, embedding that customer connection throughout the whole company and just making sure that people continue to put the customer at the, at the center of everything they do. And there's some really good tactics you can do that. But at the end of the day, it really takes purpose and commitment and leadership to say that is the primary purpose of the company. The second piece of it is embedding that throughout all of the experiences that customers are going to go through. And so we talk about connected customer, which is essentially, if you think about all the journeys a customer goes through, they are going to be a set of touch points that are precious with that individual customer. You only have a few touch points to, to either right, and sell them something, offer them something that's going to give them a better experience, teach them about a different way to use digital. And so it's going to be really important for companies to look end to end at all those customer touch points. Think about what is going to enhance value for the customers and the company through each of those touch points and be able to create decisioning across them. We're in the early days of that. Companies all have painted that as a vision. It is really hard to get there. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest customer experience challenges that most companies are facing over the next five to, I hope it's five years. It may end up being 10, let's hope it's five. <laughs> I could understand that. I can understand. Maureen, I want to thank you so much for joining us today to talk through some of these activities related to really focusing on customer experience during uh, a digital transformation, because I think it's important that that doesn't get lost in the midst of the technology that people tend to focus on. So I really appreciate your insights. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.